This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. They've raised the bar on Rochester Sports Talk. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan. Rochester. It really speaks of uh, an unselfish approach and a mindset, really, of this is what we're uh, what we're planning to do during the week, and then executing that on game day. I know that sounds it sounds easier than it is, but it really starts with a mindset, and then people staying on as unselfish as they possibly can throughout the course of the week um, when their roles may not be what they want them to be, and then but also remaining ready to go when their number is called in the game, whether it's early or late. Bills head coach Sean McDermott, everybody with significant contributions to the Bills' first win of the 2023 campaign in Orchard Park on Sunday against the Raiders. We'll take a quick look back at that and start to peek ahead at week three as the team travels to Washington. We welcome in Matt Perino, the Syracuse Post Standard, and the Shout Podcast for his weekly visit here into the sports bar. Matt, it was the true definition of a get-right game on Sunday. How are you? I am great. I'm great. And yeah, I think um, it didn't start that way, right? Like the first two or three minutes of that game, I feel like panic was starting to set in a little bit. And it's it's hard to even remember that now because of how the final 50-ish minutes of that game went. And you know, I think that's additionally kind of like a good takeaway from that game is, you know, this is the same team that, that's found a way over the last couple of years. Like even when they Things don't go well early. You know, they, they, they tend to figure things out. Uh, I thought that was a big kind of step for, you know, Ken Dorsey to have a game like that where everything he was drawing up uh, was working and had his quarterback playing on schedule, uh, calm, like composed in the pocket. Some of the throws that he made while dealing with some pressure at times, uh, which I did think the offensive line played well, but all things considered, I mean, where the, where the, where they were and where they ended up uh, really Good week, too. Yeah, and, and I guess there's no answer to this when I ask you this question, but Josh Allen, like, he'll throw you one of those games like he had in week one every so often. Is 
is there any rhyme or reason uh, to that, Matt? Why, you know, every once in a while we still get bad Josh popping up? Because to me, okay, this this is fine. This is the way it it should look. And I, I would think that this will be kind of now more of the norm. But at some point, I'm just wondering if, if Josh has actually learned here. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of play in that first game, the more we think back to it. And, you know, Monday Night Football, you know, the eyes of the, the country on you. I was listening to uh, T.J. Watt before the game yesterday. He went on the Rich Eisen show on the radio. And he was talking about, I mean, he's been in this league a long time. He's seen different players handle that, that Monday Night Football game differently. And there were so many expectations heaped upon the bills going into that game and like what that was supposed to be. And I think like, I don't think Josh did this consciously like this Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen, but I wouldn't blame him necessarily if he got into a place where he said, I have to do the things in this game to, 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 to win this game for my team. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen. And you know they do a good job of downplaying all those storylines throughout the week, but that's the only real explanation for me to why he went out there and played the way that he did consistently. And, you know, he said something really good on Wednesday. I thought he, the way that he recalibrated off of that game was impressive. And he said, listen, I'm going to be in this league. If I'm in this league, lucky enough to be in this league a long time, I'm going to have these, these games where, you know, I got to bounce back. And he almost like enjoys that process, that, that humbling process and being able to kind of, appreciate when things go well, like they did on Sunday. Uh, he mentioned that as well. So it's kind of the experience. I mean, he said a million times, you don't want to ride the roller coaster in this league, but I, I think Josh Allen is one of the top attractions uh, when it comes to roller coasters in this league. Matt, it felt like a lot of Buffalo Bills had their best games of their career against uh, the Raiders. We didn't hear Max Crosby's name at all. He was wiped off the planet by Spencer Brown. James Cook goes for over 100. Terrell Bernard gets his first interception for the Bills defense there at middle linebacker. Am I missing anybody? And and do you agree that, that a handful of Buffalo Bills had their best games of their career against the Raiders on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, there was a couple. You mentioned them there. I mean, Khalil Shakir yes. you know, uh, reappeared in, in, in a big way and a big spot. And, you know, it's funny because, like, you, you look at how much time we spent talking about Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. And if you take the first two games, you know, Khalil Shakir made the biggest impact play of the three of them. Uh, and, listen, Hardy, I actually, you know, was, was watching the, the Commanders game against the Broncos and, there was a play where Marvin Mims absolutely scooted past Emmanuel Forbes and, and just left him in the dust. And I wonder if this week Hardy doesn't get a chance to maybe attack the third level uh, with his speed. We haven't seen that yet. They've been mostly using him in that short to intermediate area. Um, you know, I thought, I think, you know, I was really hard on AJ Epinesa in week one. I, I went back and watched the game and you know, I thought he had a couple of really good uh, pass rush snaps, which is important. Uh, he's not getting a lot of, opportunities and, and those opportunities are probably going to shrink uh, depending on what happens with Leonard Floyd, obviously with the ankle injury, maybe there's an opportunity there, but when Von Miller comes back, you think everybody's snap share kind of dwindles a little bit. And so that's, that's an important game for an AJ Epinesa who is probably going to have to, you know, keep Kingsley Jonathan from, from tape, taking that active spot. I mean, he went out there this week and offered more value to this team in the way that he prepared Spencer Brown, who you mentioned, uh, on the scout team, giving him all the Max Crosby moves. And I kind of like, we, got, and we do the subtext uh, now, uh, the Shout Insider text group, and, and somebody said, man, how can Kingsley Jonathan not get on the field if you know, he's able to do 
replicate all these Max Crosby moves. Why not see those moves <laughs> in a game against an opposing team? And I, I think that's interesting. I think that, you know, Epinesa, there's some pressure on him to continually, you know, build some momentum this season. I thought that was a pretty good uh, game too for him. Yeah, Matt, I am excited to see when Von Miller comes back and you have on the opposite side, Greg Rousseau. Greg Rousseau to me seems like he's taken a step here from year two to year three. Yeah, I mean, he's been consistently with his length. He's such a problem. And the way that Eric Washington teaches or emphasizes, I should say, they're all the pass rushers getting their hands up in this league with the way that quarterbacks can navigate the pocket. It's so important. We saw it play out. I mean, two huge plays, A.J. Epinesa on third down, and then Rousseau, who ended up popping that one up to Terrell Bernard, who got his first career interception. Um, Rousseau's length and just presence, like I, I feel like he has, it's not football IQ, but it's just like general spatial awareness that I feel like puts him in a good spot most of the time on his rushes that just ends up impacting quarterbacks. And this week against a guy like Sam Howell, who's had a really nice start these first two weeks for the commanders, has them out at a 2-0 start, some really uh, some good games, especially last week. I mean, I, I was actually really impressed with the commander's offense going back and watching them. Um, but you know, he's going to face a, a pass rusher. I mean, it's different than anything he's faced. It's different than a, a Randy Gregory um, you know, it's different than a lot of what uh, the Broncos brought last week, which, by the way, the Broncos had a lot of success. I mean, they, they ratcheted up the pressure. They, they, they got him to the ground a couple times. And the Bills have to do that to have success in this game. Because that defensive front for the Commanders might be the best that they play all year in terms of just top four. Uh, when they're out there, the, the overwhelming problem that creates for your offensive line. And, and listen, the, the Bills offensive line is coming off a really good performance. And so I think that that – it's good news for the Bills. But, yeah, you can't say enough about where Rousseau is. He's got to continue to bring this. And I think when Vaughn does get back, that's going to be really fun to see what this defensive line looks like because they haven't even asked like a guy like Jordan Phillips to really have a huge role yet in that second wave. They've almost been leaning more on, like, Settle and Puna Ford in that in that spot. And, you know, Shaq Lawson has had some run as well. So, uh, a lot of depth on this line, something we talked about all offseason. Yeah, Matt, and, and there still are some questions with with this roster and the Buffalo Bills, and and specifically, I want to zero in on corner um, Trey White. Man, I want to see Trey White be the Trey White that we saw before the ACL injury. I still haven't seen it. And he didn't look good early in that game. And no, he was probably very frustrated with his performance. Christian Benford has been a revelation. Is not just the best corner on the Bills right now. One of the best corners in the league right now, depending on which metrics you're looking at. And, and what to make of Kyer Elam not being able to get a jersey on on Sunday. What are your, what's your take on, on the corner position right now with the Buffalo Bills heading into week three? Yeah, um, I, I, that, that's some high praise for Christian Benford that you're handing out here right now. Uh, I think he's been solid. I thought that there were some moments in coverage against the Raiders that, you know, there's going to be those moments. You're going to get lined up against an elite wide receiver on the other end, and you're going to have to battle. And luckily for him, none of those plays, like I think there was the one Adams play where it looked like uh, maybe a completion and they called pass interference and they picked the flag and they called it a completion and it wasn't. So like those little plays, like we'll see what as we get more of a sample size how that materializes. But Trey White, on the other hand, yeah, it's just it hasn't he hasn't looked like the same player. And I don't, I don't know I don't know how much that has to do with maybe Poyer and Hyde not being the same version of the players that they were back in 2021 when the when this group was playing at a really high level and it was Levi Wallace was the guy 
um, that everybody was, you know, fan wise, it, it felt like anyway, trying to find a new answer, but I'm not, I'm not closing the door on white finding some level of sustainable success. I, I think that, you know, we forget that he only played half a season last year. And I think that by the time you get to December is when you're really going to zero in on him, the level of, at which he's playing with. And now listen, I, I get the frustration because they're going to play a lot of top tier quarterbacks and offenses. And if there are any weak links on that, in that back four there, uh, that's not going to be good news against the Patrick Mahomes of the world, Joe Burrow, if that Cincinnati offense can figure it out, Lamar Jackson, Tua in a couple of weeks here. So yeah, Trey White is going to be really, I wish I had more to, to um, say about Trey, like maybe what's going through his head or his mind. He doesn't talk to the media. He's, he's, um, he's refused every interview request going back to the start of the off season program. Uh, did again uh, on Sunday was the first one out of the locker room. I think or one of the first. Yeah. Um, so there's only so much I could tell you about what's going on in the mind of Trey White, but we'll continue to ask uh, the coaches about it. Yeah, Matt, uh, I'm going to break protocol here because, and we'll ask you questions about Washington in this week. Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard. You brought up Tua and the Dolphins. There they are at the top of the division. They come in in two weeks, and with the speed they present on the outside that looks like that's going to be a problem. What is that atmosphere? What is that game going to look like here in two weeks? Yeah, I mean, I I think what we talked about a little bit earlier is going to be ultimately the deciding factor in this game. How how are the Bills able to affect Tua and how are they able to tackle once the ball is in some of the, you know, these playmakers' hands? I think one of the strengths of Bernard's game is his ability to maybe be a little bit quicker to react, you know, in that middle short intermediate area, which is, you know, going to be his first true test. I mean, they'll, they'll have a mini one this week. Curtis Samuel is, you know, a nice little player in that area. They do some things with their running backs, but with Mostert and Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and even like uh, Craycroft, uh, the, the, the Vario, some of their smaller receivers and, you know, they have talented players everywhere in that offense. So they're going to be tested. Um, I think that the Miami Dolphins off or defense looked a lot better in week two, but still some opportunities will be there for Josh Allen in this offense. I don't think that this unit has the kind of talent on the back end outside of maybe a Javon Holland and at times Avian Howard, uh, that's going to be able to really clamp things down. And I, outside of Andrew Van Ginkle, I was actually under, under impressed with their defensive line. And by the way, Van Ginkle, what, what a luxury it is for them to have a guy kind of waiting in the wings when, you know, a guy like Jalen Phillips, who's been so good early in his career, you can go to him when, when Phillips can't play. Uh, obviously they still have Bradley Chubb who continues, in my opinion, to be a little bit underwhelming, especially for the money that they paid him. That's going to be a massive game and, you know, really going to set up, set the stage for who the early favorite in the division is. I mean, if, if we're sitting there and the bills are at two and two, let's just say they beat the, the, the commanders and lose to the dolphins and the dolphins are sitting there four and oh, I mean, man, the narrative is going to shift dramatically if it hasn't already started to. So let's uh, let's focus in now on Washington, this week's opponent. You mentioned the defensive line. It might be the best defensive line that the Bills face all, all season long. Uh, I, I'm curious as to uh, how the Bills' defense will perform against Sam Hall. You said you went back and watched uh, his tape from week two against the Broncos. What kind of challenges will, will this commander's offense present to the Bills come Sunday? They're, they're a really 
um, persistent running attack, right? Like with Gibson and then Robinson, like they have a couple of guys that, you know, whenever, whenever either one is out there, they're going to get tough yards. They're going to take on physical contact. And you would, just like they did against Josh Jacobs this last week, it, they got to, the Bills have to do a good job of tackling and not giving second opportunities and, you know, making things ugly uh, right off the jump. And I think it was Josh McDaniels. I was listening to his post game and it's like, they couldn't get the ball in Josh Jacobs hand without there being a Bills defensive player ready to meet him before the line of scrimmage. And to me, that's, that's what frustrates a run game and takes teams out of their plan is when you can do that early and then put a little pressure on with your offense, the bills have to do that because, you know, I think, you know, the commanders ended up, uh, the, the Broncos went up early and the con- commanders hung around then came back. And I think part of that was their run game and they're going to lean on those screen passes. You can't get beat by too many of those. Like I think back to that Brees Hall screen pass, maybe a Dalvin cook one as well. in week one. those are the kinds of things that sustain drives that kill defenses and momentum. So they're going to have to deal with that. And then Terry McLaurin is a legit number one. And you mentioned that Trey White concern. Like this is, there is no weeks off. It feels like for this kind of first half of the season. I mean, it's going to go from Garrett Wilson to Devontae Adams to now Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill. Then it's um, uh, for the Jags, Calvin Ridley, who's now a serious problem. It's Trey White is going to be tested week after week. And, you know, if you, they showed that he can make a big play late in the game, and they're not going away. This this commander's offense does not go away. I think um, Eric Bieniemy has them playing some pretty good ball. There's a lot of confidence with Sam Howell. Uh, they have Logan Thomas. Uh, I don't know his status, uh, former Bills tight end. He had a great touchdown catch and got absolutely popped. Kareem Jackson got kicked out of the game for it, uh, and I think he left the game as well. But everywhere you look, playmakers, and even when you go up on their team, with the way their defense plays and can t- turn the ball over and can sack the quarterback and can pressure the quarterback, this has to be another Josh Allen dialed in like efficient effort. Because if you turn the ball over and you give that offense more life, that's when problems are just going to really start to bubble up, especially at their place. They played a tough game last year against Commander. Yeah, Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard, our guest. Matt, you you're, you go on the road for the majority of these games, and uh, certainly one thing that's kind of changed over recent years, the Bills have become a, kind of a team that travels here, so to speak. When the Bills are playing in Nashville, it uh, feels like there's a majority of Bills fans. I don't know what to expect this week, to be honest, because I would think like if it was this were Daniel Snyder, is uh, you know Washington football team that you know all right, you know maybe the Bills fans take over there, and I don't know if there's this renewed sense, and I guess we'll kind of learn uh, a little bit more about it. But what's your kind of expectation as far as what kind of environment uh, the Bills are heading into uh, this Sunday? Uh, it's going to be nasty. Uh, my uh, I was ask, actually asking my sister and brother in law if they were planning to go to the game. They live in Virginia, and they're like, no, nah, there was a. There was a fight on the news from opening week that's kind of scared them off. And it, it is a, it, it, it reminds me of like, kind of like the Raiders lore. Like, you know, the, it is a tough fan base. It is a very nasty environment. But I do think the Bills are going to travel well for our Bills fans. Um, they do no matter what. They find a way to get into uh, the mix a little bit, which could make for a, a really dramatic deal. But, you know, I think about that too. And like, we saw that story out of, you know, New England with uh, the, the fan that passed away. And uh, I mean, there was apparently a couple fights going on in the stands. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's, it's great. Like these like really like passionate fan bases that 
you know, kind of get into it in the stands. You see the viral videos, but man, you see something like that and it kind of gets you pause a little bit. Like, uh, keep it, uh, Keep it to within means here. Well, Matt, I mean, let's not bury the lead. You're talking about fights in the stands in Washington and New England. Did any fan base have a fan cover himself in feces while coked out and try to get into a, a construction site? I mean, you know, nobody's doing it the way the Buffalo Bills do it. Let's be honest. The, the just the, the nuts and bolts of that story are just the most Buffalo Bills Mafia fan story of all time. Like, you go, you get covered in that and then you, you just want to go take a dip in the in the pool of water at the bottom of the big hole where they're going to put the new stadium i mean i'm surprised actually what's really interesting is that there wasn't a story that came out yesterday of somebody trying to set up a table down in that hole and, and filming that and, and going through the table and i don't want to put that idea out there actually i shouldn't have said that but um it's just debauchery at the highest level it, it was turned up uh at the stadium you could feel the energy and I felt like the bills matched it uh, in the stadium. Yeah, Matt. And again, if you don't want to comment on this, but I mean, has there ever been like a worst PR week for the Buffalo bills franchise where, okay. The, the, the number four thing on the list might've actually been, Hey, you were upset on Monday night football. And it was a bad loss. Uh, then you go to the, the, the trotter uh, thing that came out the next day. Then you actually have the, the, Hot mic with Maddie Glab. We feel terrible. Oh, and then that's not enough. We have this idiot going over the fence. Oh, and I forgot about Tequila Spikes. How could I forget about that? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, five for five there, right? Like, really brutal, brutal week. Um, yeah, the Maddie Glab situation, man, it, it, it really you just feel bad for all parties involved. Um, it was a no-win situation for anybody. And, you know, I've, I've said this before. I think I said it on a radio show uh, in Vegas last week. I've said things, I think we've all said things at work, like talking to coworkers that if anybody heard it would probably be like, it, it reminds you of like, hey, man, like we live in a different world. We live it like a lot of times you're saying stuff that don't have real meaning. You're just, uh, you know, talking trash, talking whatever, uh, water cooler stuff, right? Uh, I've been there and, you know, I know Maddie and I feel for her. I also feel for Diggs because listen, there's when, when there's a, a narrative that persists about a person and, you know, we talked about it plenty over the off season, like a, you know, a guy who had some problems in Minnesota, they've been documented. And, you know, now it starts to permeate out there that may be unhappy in the current spot. And, you know, this malcontent storyline, and then you hear something like that. And it almost, it, um, unintentionally like perpetuates that narrative again. And so, um, again, no party one, I feel like in that situation. And, um, yeah, Matt, what do you got uh, coming up here for the shout podcast this week that we can look forward to? Yeah. So I got, uh, some cool shows coming up. We'll have, uh, tomorrow we'll have the staple show tomorrow morning. I'm actually linking up with ESPN's John Keim, uh, to get a, a view into the, uh, Washington Commanders 2-0 and start. So that'll be a cool podcast. And then we'll have the preview show on Friday, Saturday. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like yet. Um, Ryan and I are hosting uh, a Q&A with Eric Wood, Eric Mould, Lee uh, Evans, and um, Aaron Williams, I believe, Sweet. at wow. the bullpen in D.C. So that's going to be a cool event. We might film something there, podcasty. I'm not sure, but if you're going to be in the area and you want to come out, uh, we'll be there. It's going to be a fun time Saturday night. Nice. Uh, we'll, we'll safe travels down and uh, lo love hearing the stories when you're on the road. Matt, really appreciate your time as always today, bud. 
Anytime, guys. Take care. You got it. There he is, Matt Perino, Syracuse Post Standard, covering the Buffalo Bills, also on the Shout Podcast, traveling to D.C. for the matchup against the Commanders here coming up on Sunday afternoon. You'll be able to hear the action, by the way. Pre-game starts at 9 o'clock Sunday morning, kickoff just after 1 on the Fan Rochester. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how when we always look at who is the Bill under the microscope, and after week one, well, obviously it was Josh Allen, but we were looking at Spencer Brown. Certainly Terrell Bernard was the run defense, his fault in those two big runs. All those were answered. We've, we've now shifted our attention. And look, I said this over the summer. I had this take over the summer. I thought Tredavious White, because of the cap situation, because of the, you know, you don't want to be paying at that age at that position. He wasn't going to be on this team next year. So I said that back in May, not knowing where he was at, but it's bothering him. The fact that, and I didn't, I'm glad Matt confirmed that. Like he's not talking to anybody. He's not talking to anybody. The uh, life cycle of a corner, man, you can bank on it. And Trey is a great example of it. A more recent example that we can just put our, our, our jeweler's eye on and look at it and examine it closely. Because when he came into the league, he was magnificent. All kinds of physical ability, he had the speed and the technique only got better with each passing game. And then you get to the peak where your your athleticism and your technique are top notch. And then as you get older and then as injuries happen, well, then your physicality starts to go away. You start to see the player shy away from contact. You start to see the player miss a step. And the technique is still there. You didn't forget the technique. Trey White has the technique, but the physical elements of his game, that's what's got to be frustrating him because it's out of your control, man. You're injured. You're coming back. You're, you're, you know, not, you're not a rookie anymore, but you want to play like you're a rookie. And, and that's, that's maddening. It's frustrating. And it's worth paying attention to here. I, I saw some, some PFF grades on Christian Benford uh, cross my feed. I'm like, whoa, Christian Benford's, having himself a nice start to the season for the Buffalo Bills. He's the top corner on the team. Right, right now. now, he's playing like like cornerback one. Yeah, he's and having the best <laughs> season so same far. Same draft class as Kyer Elam. And I, look, maybe corner is that position that, all right, let's take a corner every, at the end of every draft. Uh, Tredavious White, if the Bills were to move on after the season, it would be a $10.3 million cap hit. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. It, it's like 16.3 to carry him on the road. So it's a damn if you do, damn if you don't. A lot of football left to be played before that decision needs to be made. Um, appreciate Matt Perino stopping by to share his Bill's knowledge with us here in the Sports Bar. We're going to take a break and come back with more next. Uh, our 4 o'clock hour will include some news and notes from around the NFL. We'll have a conversation with Tony Cotillo, our fantasy football goomba from Win Daily Sports. Tony checks in from Philadelphia here in the 4 o'clock hour as well. We'll have some takes on tap. And Gino, I know we, we kind of already know what our survivor pick is, but I don't want to deprive oh, you no, of, no. of the announcement. Listen, we... Look... Brandon Bean, listen, <laughs> listen, I, it's, this is a week where there are a lot of options. Okay. There are. We'll dissect like, those options. Like, yeah, the options are there, but the choice is clear. The choice is an easy one. We'll get to that with Gino Survive and Advance Pick for week three. You can join us anytime at 866-4326. That's 585 866 4 
F-A-N. More next in the sports bar. Danger and Bataglia on the fan Rochester. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.